0: drop see what I did there all right my bad my bad oh he came in like a wrecking ball I don't know if we should follow up Horatio Spafford with Miley Cyrus oh no all right my bad my bad good morning church (laughs) here we are Uh, It's good to be with you. My name is Justin, one of the pastor teachers here at uh, Peninsula Grace. A couple years ago for Mother's Day, uh, the Frankino men decided that they would cook a meal for the Frankino women. We decided that we were going to make them uh, chicken alfredo and uh, some uh, raspberry cheese cake, uh, which is a sweet idea. um, But just wait. Um, I I was still a bachelor at the time. I didn't know how to make anything except for like ice cream and Doritos, and by that I mean, of course, picking them up at Fred Meyer. Um, And my dad, bless his heart, right? I mean, a a wife's dream come true. He helps her out around the house a lot. He can clean, he can do laundry, but he's not allowed within about 10 feet of the kitchen, except for after the meal to do the dishes. Um, And he does do French toast, but my brother, my brother, father of four, uh, he was the only male who knew what he was actually doing in the kitchen. And Jeremy had told us to wait for him, but he didn't get off work until, a little bit later. So my dad and I look at each other and we say the most foolish thing imaginable. We can do this. We, we got this. Now, wisdom would have said trust in Jeremy with all of our hearts and lean not on our own culinary understanding. But uh, we didn't. And oh man, do I wish we had a picture of the outcome because it did not look like... Do you actually have a... Oh, I always need to talk with my mom before I... Preach. We'll put that online afterward. Um, the Alfredo sauce came out like a, a rock um, that we actually had to serve with knife, fork, and jackhammer. Uh, and the, the cheesecake turned out I had the right ingredients but not in the right places or the right time. You were supposed to put the butter in the crust. I put butter and way too much butter in the filling, uh, making this just gelatinous chaos with raspberry topping glooping and gliding all over. I I called it a Genesis 1 cheesecake, uh, where it was without form and void. (laughs) Darkness over the face of the the deep. And we said, happy Mother's Day, ladies. (laughs) Relevant quote. When humans don't live by their own wisdom regarding good and bad, but instead trust God's wisdom and obey his commands, it leads to blessing and life. This is true wisdom to live in the fear of the Lord. If we would have lived in the fear of Jeremy, listened to his wisdom of what was good and evil, it would have led us to life and blessing in our bellies. Um, it would have led us to happy mothers. But instead, living by our own wisdom led to destruction and chaos. And had anyone been able to actually chew the food, probably would have led to death. Um, I found this picture online, which actually is probably an upgrade uh, from what we had actually made. But the big idea of this morning's text is to hear and obey God's voice. For us to recognize, I don't have wisdom. God has all of the wisdom, and we should listen and obey him. Now, this seems obvious, right? Thanks, Justin. How profound to listen and obey God. We're worth the price of admission, right? But listen, knowing and doing are two different things. And I don't know where you're at, but I know, I know as I look at my life and I see how often I'm not listening to God, I'm not walking in obedience, I'm not even asking or relying on his wisdom. And I don't, I don't know about you, but this morning I need to be reminded of this truth so that I might actually walk in it. And find life and blessing there. The series we've been walking in is called The King of Kings. And we're looking at God's work through the first three kings of Israel. And today we're going to begin the story of our final king, King Solomon. But to capture the the full weight of today's story, we got to remind ourselves of where this falls in line with the bigger story. Remember back on page three of our Bibles, Adam and Eve sin; Sin enters into the world and God immediately promises them a deliverer. And we saw in Genesis chapter 3, he said this will be the offspring or the seed of a woman who will crush the seed of the serpent, referring to the rescuer's defeat of sin and death and evil on our behalf. And then he chooses this one man, Abraham, and he says, out of your nation, I will bless all the nations of the world. We see in Genesis 12 that this deliverer will be of Jewish descent. And then out of one family, one man out of the Jewish nation, he picks in 2 Samuel 7 in our story, we saw he would choose a king from the line of David. And we saw the promise that God made to David in 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 verse 12 of 2 Samuel 7. He said, for when you die and are buried with your ancestors, and that's where we're at today, David is going to die, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne f- forever. So he says, from your loins, I'm going to raise up this king, will build me a temple, that he will rule and reign rightly as the king. The deliverer will be a king from the line of David. And as David dies and Solomon enters the scene, you got to imagine the people are asking the question, this little girl, she's so excited. Is this the guy? Is this the one? Is this finally the one that will come and rule and reign rightly, administering justice, bringing us to our full glory as humans? Is this the temple builder? Is this the deliverer? Is Solomon the answer to our hopes and our prayers? And today, we're going we're gonna to see that Solomon makes a fantastic choice. That he chooses wisdom... He chooses to trust and obey his God. And so you imagine the whispers and the rumor mill flooding Israel. Is this the guy? Solomon is trending on Jewish Twitter. He's blowing up Jewish Instagram, right? Is this finally the king? What we're going to see, though, is there are some cracks that start to st- cause Solomon to eventually crumble, as we'll see next week very clearly. Spoiler alert, Solomon is not the deliverer. He is not, he is not the coming Messiah. We're going to see this morning, we're going to talk about wisdom. And first we're going to see that wisdom is absent with Solomon. 1 Kings chapter 3 will be in the ESV uh, translation for the bulk of our text. And and if you have read the Bible before, if you grew up in church, you may be familiar with this story. Verse 5, At Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night and said, And God said, ask what I shall give you. God comes to Solomon in a dream and he says, ask anything and it's yours. Now, I grew up a Disney kid, so when I picture this scene, I picture the genie in Aladdin, uh, this ask anything and I'll give you the wish, or today we got Blue Will Smith, I don't know what to make of that exactly. But you put yourself in Solomon's shoes here when the creator of the universe says, ask whatever you want and I'll give it to you, what are you asking for? Honestly. Don't look at me and be like, world peace, yeah, okay. I remember, I I always felt like more wishes was clearly the answer, right? That's how you would roll this thing forward. As, As a kid... If I was asked that question, I probably would have asked for a giant trampoline. Or the greatest thing imaginable in my life was to have my own McDonald's. <laughs> now as a grown-up, I'd be wishing for like my mortgage to be paid off or my new hip, right? Adulting is the worst. It's the worst. <laughs> look, what does Solomon ask for? Look, look at verse 3. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Now, now we're going to see, it, we, didn't, we, can't, we don't have time to get into it, but Solomon, he marries the, the wrong kind of woman and then he starts worshiping at the wrong places. We start to see cracks in the foundation of Solomon that will come to ruin and destruction next week. But, but overall, we see Solomon, and rarely does scripture say something like this of, of one of the Israelites, that he loved the Lord. And then down in verse six, Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David. He's talking to God here. My father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness, and an uprightness of heart toward you. Now, we saw in our story, not always, you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on this throne today. Solomon says, I love you, God, and I know I've seen your love for me and my father. He's tracking and trusts his God and knows that he loves him. Therefore, he says this, now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father, although I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. That's Abraham promise language, right? Like the sands of the sea and the stars in the sky. Solomon says, based on your promises, based on your love for my father, you made me king. Because I'm looking at this task you have for me. This is huge. To rule and reign over an entire nation He says, I'm but a little child. Now, Solomon's an adult here. He's using language of humility. He goes, I don't know what I'm doing. This is what I should have done when I was in the kitchen on Mother's Day. I should have said, Jeremy, I don't know how to make a cheesecake. Help. He should have cried out to his God. And and here Solomon acknowledges wisdom is absent in himself. He asks for humility. Or in humility, he asks for the following. And what is it that he asks for? drum roll please no seriously give me a, okay. wisdom okay all right uh solomon he asked verse nine i don't know give your servant verse nine therefore an understanding mind to govern your people that i may discern between rule for who is able to govern this your great people he asks for wisdom he asks for an understanding mind an understanding mind to do what he says here to to be able to rule to discern between right and wrong, to be able to judge justly, govern justly over the people. Now, here's why keeping this story in the context of the bigger story is so important. The language that's used here, this is a hyperlink that takes us back to the Garden of Eden. If you remember, Adam and Eve, they were given a choice very much like Solomon here. God essentially said, you can trust me You can trust that I'll give you wisdom on a need-to-know basis. I will always tell you what, what the right way to go is and the wrong way to go. Or you can take. And take from the what? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This is the same language that Solomon uses here to discern between what's good and evil. Or if they take that tree, what are they essentially saying to God? God, we don't trust you. We'll decide what's good and evil. We'll make that choice. We'll lean on our own understanding, not your wisdom. And we, of course, know the choice they made. And to be honest, probably the choice we would have made had we been in their shoes. But Solomon here, what's he doing? He's reversing the Adam and Eve failure. Had Adam and Eve not taken from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God would have freely given them all the wisdom and direction they needed. But they didn't make that choice. So what's he asked for here? Specifically, he says, I want an, asking for an understanding mind. Now, this, this translation probably would look better for, with a listening heart. The, the Hebrew word shema means to listen or to hear. And the word leb is the heart, the seat of all their will and emotion and desire. And, and so really, Solomon is Sol, not just asking to be made into a smarty pants here. He doesn't want to just be walking Wikipedia, right? Lord, just give me the ability to go on Jewish Jeopardy and crush it. That's not what Solomon's asking for here. The Hebrew concept of listening, it implied listening and obeying. Give me a heart that hears you and obeys you. So like when my mom would always say, listen to your father, which is again how she sounded in my head. It didn't just mean let the sound waves enter into your head and then just go do whatever you want, Right? The implication was clear. Listen to your father means that hear what your dad is saying and then go do it. Do what it is that he's saying to to do. Listen and obey. And again, this is, go back to Genesis 3 and note the hearing in the story, God comes after they've eaten of the fruit, after the sin has entered in the world, God says this to Adam, he said, because you have listened, Shema, same word, you've listened to your, the voice of who, me? No, your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I, I, what did I tell you to do? I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. So he says, who did, who's Shema? Who did you listen to and obey? You listened to and obeyed the voice of your wife instead of my voice. And who did Eve listen to? She listened to and obeyed the voice of the serpent. Ultimately, they are listening and obeying themselves instead of their God. His voice, his command, his word. That's idolatry. Pride before the fall here, in this case. And as a result, a world is installed where humans try to be their own gods instead of letting God be God. And by the way, the moral of the story here is not men to, to not listen to your wife. That is not, that's not what, we're, what we're taking out of context here. It is ultimately to listen to God, his authority, his voice, his command. This is humility. Solomon shows humility, asks for wisdom, and then we're going to see he gets it. Wisdom is acquired, number three. Wisdom is acquired. God says it, it pleased the Lord that, that Solomon had asked this. It pleased the Lord. He saw that it was good. Again, there's creation language going on here. In Genesis chapter 1, seven times God says after he's made something new, he goes, this is good. When he makes man, he says it's very good. And what Solomon's doing here, we're we're back in the garden and he is essentially pulling his hand back from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he makes the right choice that Adam and Eve failed to make and God approves just like when he made the first Adam, he's looking here at this, this Adam-like figure of Solomon and he says, what he has done is very good. It's pleasing to me that he has relied on me for wisdom. See, if, if we don't see this story in the light of the greater story, all we see is Solomon making a good choice here. Yeah, oh, good job, Solomon. That was smart of you to ask for wisdom. But There's something deeper going on here. Again, see this in the light of the garden, in the light of Adam and Eve, the coming deliverer, and it makes you ask. It makes you ask the question, is this the guy? Because here's Solomon, he checks the boxes. Offspring of a woman, Jewish descent, line of the David. And so we're asking, is this the guy? Is this the one? Do, Do we have him, the true king, the true Adam that the original Adam failed to be? And we see here, God grants Solomon his request. Verse 11, God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has ever been before you and none like you shall arise after you. You will be the wisest man who's ever lived. And not only that, but wait, there's more. Verse 13, I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. So not only am I giving you this wisdom that you asked for, I'm going to give you everything else that you didn't ask for. This reminds me of the words of Jesus. If you seek me first, if you seek my righteousness, my kingdom, all these other things will be added to you. If you surrender your life, you're actually going to find blessing in life that I have to offer my way. And so Solomon's given this, but then look at, look at verse 14. He says, and if... That's a conditional word. If you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, my, my command, if you listen to my voice as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. There's a promise here. If you, if you keep walking in this direction, all will be well. If you want to be the king that rules forever, if you want your days lengthened, then you must continue to listen to my voice. See, this wasn't a one and done decision for Solomon. This was a path. This was a choice that he, a test that was continuing to be presented to Solomon every single day. It's a test that's presented to us every single day. Which way will we choose? Now we're gonna see next week, eventually, Solomon fails and he walks in foolishness instead of wisdom. Solomon is not the deliverer. But in this case, he chooses wisdom. God gives it to him. And the fourth one, wisdom is applied. We're going to see Solomon's wisdom in action. It's going to be showcased here in this immediate example. Now, again, if you're familiar with the Bible, you may have heard this story before. There's these two prostitutes that come to Solomon. They both have babies. One had been rolled on and smushed to death by one of the mothers in the night. And again, this is not a proof text against co-sleeping. We're not, we're not going there, right? But he's arguing whose child, whose child was the one that died. The, the two women are arguing over which one it was that had the child that was still living. And, and Solomon, he famously says, bring me my sword. And we see in verse 25, as the king said, divide the living child in two, give half to the one and half to the other. Then the woman whose son was alive said to the king, because her heart yearned for her son, oh my Lord, give her the living child and by no means put him to death. But the other said, he shall neither be mine nor yours. Divide him. The false mother, the one that, the one that is not the mother of the living child, says, go ahead, use the sword. And then the king answered and said, give the living child to the first woman and by no means put him to death. She is his mother. What do we see here? And again, this is not direct application for us. Like if I'm in my office and there's two women arguing over a man, I don't go, eh, Lisa? Bring in the sword. right that's, that's just not where we want to take this. But what's going on here? Solomon's God-given wisdom allows him to hear, hear the women. He wasn't there. He did not have the eyewitness account. He didn't see it, and nobody else did. Can't walk by sight in this one. So what does he do? Symbolically, proverbially, through the sword, he is able to reveal the hearts and the intentions of these women, to see what is unseen. And this is the power of God's word, right? In in Hebrews chapter 4, it says this is what God's word can do. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, even Solomon's. Piercing to the vision of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. When we listen to God's voice, we're able to discern our heart and the hearts of others in the way that only God and his wisdom can And I love the summation of this story. Verse 28, all Israel heard Shema, there's the language again, they hear of the judgment that the king had rendered and they stood in awe of the king. This is the wisest, this is the best king we've ever had because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. Here he is, a man who walks with God, who listens to God, who rules rightly. Maybe this is finally our eternal king to sit on the throne. But he's not, is he? And this, as all scripture does and should, it points us to Jesus. Because the reality is Jesus is the greater Solomon. Solomon is but a shadow of the reality. This whole kingly mess started back in 1 Samuel chapter 8. Do you remember what happened? Israel comes to the prophet Samuel. This is what they say. They say in 1 Samuel 8, Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the other nations. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice, listen and obey. Shema, The people and all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you. They've rejected me from being king over them. Remember, they're saying Israel tells God, We don't trust your wisdom to rule over us. We want a king. We want to put our trust in human wisdom to rule us, just like all the other nations. But here, Solomon, he reverses that heart and he says to God, I'm but a a human. I'm but a a little child. I'm a baby. And what did Ross say last week? What, What can babies do? They can do one thing they can cry for their parents. That's it. He says, without you, Father, I can do nothing. And he listened to obey and obeyed his Father, not leaning on his own understanding. Who does this point us to? Let's shema, let's listen to the words of Jesus in John chapter 5. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. Verse 30, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. Here the true son of David, the true Solomon says, I only judge according to what I hear from my father. And my judgment's just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus never did anything unless his father told him to do it. He always listened and obeyed. And unlike Solomon, who will eventually fail to listen to God, Even in the garden, at this turning point where he could have really gone his own way, he said, not my will, but yours be done, even to death on the cross. He showed a greater dependence on his father than Solomon did. We also see greater approval from the father. Just as God was pleased with Solomon's choice, verse 10, it pleased the Lord that Solomon had done this, Asked for this. Eventually, Solomon will be be displeasing to the sight of the Lord. But Jesus was always pleasing to the Father. Remember the transfiguration moment? What does God say to him? This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen. Listen to him. Listen and obey forever King Jesus. Because he will always do what's right. And then we also see that he shows greater wisdom. Solomon, the son of David, he received God's wisdom but Jesus, the true son of David, he is God. And from him, all wisdom is sourced. Any uh, Cook and Academy alumni in the house today? I mean, I got one in the back. Okay, if we were every morning, every Wednesday morning at chapel, we would say this in my prepubescent voice. In Christ Jesus lies hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Colossians 2, 3. Jesus is the source of all wisdom, and knowledge. Because why? Because he's God. He's all-knowing. In fact, Proverbs 3 says, in wisdom you created the universe. Jesus, the creator of everything. This is a better Solomon, better wisdom here. He also has a better understanding of the human heart. Solomon was able to, through his sword, understand the, the thoughts and intentions of these prostitutes, but he had to be given this wisdom, Jesus was the source of wisdom, so he didn't have to figure out our hearts. He already knows our hearts. In John chapter 2, but Jesus knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man. He didn't have a witness, but he knew. Why? For he himself knew what was in man. Why does he know our heart and our thought? Because he's the one that formed those thoughts, that formed those, that, excuse me, that formed the heart in us. He knows our thoughts before we think of them, our actions before we do them. And just like Solomon's wisdom in an impossible situation left the people in awe, right? when all Israel heard the judgment that the king had rendered, they stood in awe of the king. And we see the same thing when Jesus came to earth. He was the wisest man who ever lived, and they were trying to trap him. Remember when the, when the leaders come to him and go, hey, do we give taxes to Caesar in this political tumultuous time? What are you going to do with that one, Jesus? And what did he say? Render to Caesar what's Caesar's, but give God what is his. And what's the result, Matthew twenty-two, twenty-two. His reply amazed them, and they just walked away. <laughs> we're in awe of the king. The Sadducees tried to, tried to trap him, remember? This woman, she's been married to a lot of guys. What happens in heaven? He said, don't you know there's not going to be marriage in heaven? And God's the God of the living, not the dead. And again, verse 33, when the crowds heard him, they were astounded at his teaching. You can't trap Jesus. He's the wisest man who ever lived, the creator of the universe. But unlike Solomon who eventually will fail and choose folly, as we'll see next week. Jesus never did and never will. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And here's the good news. Brothers and sisters, this wisdom of Jesus is available to us through faith today. It's available to us. But we're only going to ask for his wisdom when we see the need for it, when we're faced with something hard. In the kitchen, I got cocky and thought that I could make the cheesecake without my brother. And my dear family paid the price. Solomon saw this task of, of ruling this entire nation. He goes, this task is too big for me. I can't do it. But maybe today you go, well, I'm not ruling a nation. Like, I'm not even management level at my job. Like, why, why would I need this level of wisdom? But the New Testament, you know what it says about us? It says in, oh, there's my cheesecake again. Um, the, the New Testament tells us that we are going to rule and reign with Christ. Do you understand that? That, that was our original intention back in Genesis 1. To rule and reign over this world with Jesus. uh, Paul comes back at the Corinthians, he goes in, in 1 Corinthians 6 Don't you know that one day you're gonna judge the world? You're gonna judge angels? Says, you've got the, no, you're not ruling a nation. With me, you're going to eventually be ruling and reigning over the entire world. And today, we've been given this responsibility to go and make disciples. To be a disciple of Jesus is to be one who follows him and learns from him and then goes out and makes other disciples, teaching them to obey all that Jesus commanded him. Do you see the position of responsibility we've been given in Christ? Do you feel wise enough to do all of that? I feel overwhelmed, and I've got eight staff members in a small church in Sulatna. Do you see your need for wisdom as a co-reigner with Jesus, as a disciple maker? Do you feel able to preach the gospel to other people, to, to make disciples? How about being a parent or a spouse? You talk about being humbled, knowing that you need wisdom. A co-worker a friend or are you and maybe, maybe you're in here this morning maybe you are feeling that need you're facing this hard decision and you have no idea how to navigate it And you're going man i wish that i was in the position of solomon here where i was being told ask anything and i will give it to you well i'm here to tell you this morning you are in the position of solomon even better because in christ lies hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge and you know what john 15 7 promises us if you abide in me and my words abide in you ask whatever you wish Do you hear that? Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Do we believe these words? 1 John 5 14. This is the confidence that we have toward Him. You want to be confident and bold, not in yourself. He says that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Now, that according to His will is very, very key. What we're asking for must be consistent with His will as revealed in the Word. We're not just walking around making our own selfish wishes. But if we're abiding in Christ according to his will, he says, if you ask, I will give it to you. Well, This involves what? At the end of the day, it's that we listen to God's voice and obey his word. The most important prayer in the Jewish life was called the Shema. Why? Because the first line in Deuteronomy 6 of this prayer starts out with, hear, Listen. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. They, they say the most important thing is to understand that there is one God, one that we fear, one we listen to, one we obey, one that sees everything right. And we listen to him. And, and here's what's really cool. And they say this, even to this day, the, the Jewish people would have this practice of covering their eyes as they, would, as they pray the Shema. Now, now, why would they cover their eyes when they're praying? Well, you know, we know. Praying, you know, we can concentrate better when we're closing our eyes. But but here they're sh- they're symbolizing that we are listening by faith, not walking by sight. So don't do this while you're driving. That would be unsafe. Adam and Eve they walked by sight. They saw the tree was good for food, and they took instead of hearing and obeying the word of God. So this is where I want us to land the plan. I want us to try this together. Would you cover your eyes as you're able to, and you can with your hands or just close them or, or whatever. Don't worry. I'm not gonna get weird. I'm not send anyone around to steal your wallets or anything. Unauthorized tithing. <laughs> where are you this morning? Are you listening or are you looking? Are you walking by sight or you're walking by faith. Maybe you find yourself in this situation in your marriage where sight says, and there's no hope here, this thing is beyond reconciliation. You don't know who I'm dealing with here. You haven't seen the way they've treated me. Maybe you got a spouse who's trying to medicate through pornography. Maybe you're in your head, you're walking by sight, and you're going, here's that girl in the office who actually listens to me, who actually pays attention to me. Maybe life would be better if my situation changed. Are we walking by sight, or are we hearing what God's word says? What I've joined together, let no man separate. God's word, what we listen and obey to, says husbands, love your wives like Jesus loved the church. Wives, respect and submit to your husbands. And the God who raises life from the dead can raise a dead marriage to life again. I can keep you from stumbling. I can finish what I started. As surely as Jesus is alive, there's hope. Maybe you're coming in this morning with a heap of arrogance, uh, and I know in my own life how often I'm trying to control my own situation. Oops. How's that going? How is controlling your own situation going? If, if you're in the kitchen, you think you can make your own cheesecake, and you're seeing, if you're honest with yourself, this is a chaotic mess. Like Solomon, why don't you humble yourself before your God? Say, I don't have the wisdom, but you do, Father. If you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. Maybe you're thinking, i got to put that person in their place. When God's word says a soft answer turns away wrath. And maybe you're coming in here with all sorts of insecurities this morning, going, I have no idea what to do with my situation. I am freaking out. Now by sight, your situation may look impossible. By sight, it may look terrifying. like There is no way forward, but God's word speaks into that and says to those who will listen, to those who will shema. What does he say in James? If you lack wisdom, which we all do, he says, if you ask for it, the promise is that you'll receive it. He says, but don't ask doubting. Don't look by sight at the waves around you. Ask by faith. Will you cover your eyes and take the next step? That's terrifying. But will you believe God's word is a lamp unto your feet and he'll show you where to take the next step? When everything in me says it looks like I should do this, but God's word says to do that. Will you take a step of faith that trusting God's way is better it says that Solomon loved the Lord and remembered the love that the Lord had for his father and for him. Listen to me, if if we don't trust God's heart, that he is for us and not against us, if we don't believe that God loves us, if we don't believe that there's nothing we can do to make him love us more or love us less, then we're not going to step by faith. We're going to try to be our own gods and we're going to look around and act accordingly. So Father, I ask that we would be a humble people who would admit that we don't have wisdom, but that in Christ we have all the wisdom we would ever need. And if we only have open palms we can receive, that we can know the way forward, that we would be a people that would listen and obey your voice, that we would do what you've called us to do. Father, you said you've given us the mind of Christ. The wise mind of Christ is now ours. And anything he's called us to do, he will be the one to do it through us. Father, you're in the habit of asking us to do things that only you can do. When you look at the lame man and say walk, when you look at the foolish man on our own and say walk in wisdom, I'll give you everything you need. Would we be a people that would humble ourselves before you, walk according to your word and not by sight? We pray these things in your son's wise and beautiful name, amen.